0: Well welcome to quantum number 258, a quantum podcast that looks at news and views and culture from throughout the world. And I think this week, we're going to begin in France. (laughs) Hundreds of people arrested, many fires, many people injured. Uh, riots going on in France. Uh, Some people say that, you know, riots in France are not that new, but what's really going on here? Some people blame Islam, they blame immigration, they blame police police brutality. Uh, It's very interesting that uh, some of the major news outlets are more or less refusing to report on this, at least in any depth. The fact is that... France has created an enormous problem for itself. There have been a significant number of immigrants coming often from its former colonies and mostly Muslim. And the trouble has been that they've put them in massive urban poor housing estates with all the deprivation that comes from that. Uh, combine that with an Islamist ideology that doesn't really fit with the French secular ideology, and you've got major difficulties. Combining that with undoubted brutality by some of the police—that's that's going to happen. There's just a cocktail of things coming there, and maybe France is not typical, or maybe it is, and we need to be very careful. But looking at this historically, just a couple of things. I think I, it was—I um, read this in an article in Unheard. Um, In the spring of 1775, there were 300 riots throughout the whole of France, more or less, just like now. They didn't go down until the army had been deployed and hundreds of rioters arrested. These events became known as the Flower War because these events were precipitated by a sharp increase in grain prices. Now, what's happening in France and... This is, I think, quite extraordinary, is that, uh, you know, we had riots in response to Macron's pension reforms, and then to the building of reservoirs in the west of the country, but these ones seem to be a lot worse. There's been an increase in French food prices with a rise of 22% since 2021, and that's before considering France's high energy prices. Now, the war in Ukraine and the effect on fertilizer, and all the climate change policies, are really affecting the poor. There has been this is an astonishing statistic. There has been and it been a decline in French food consumption of nearly seventeen percent. That is the largest such national decline since they started doing this data in the early 1980s. It really is quite unprecedented and declines in food consumption hit the poorest harder. People on in the top 25% of income spend around 7.6% of their income on food, while those in the bottom quarter spend over 30%. So when the price of food rises, it is the poor who suffer most. When the price of energy rises, it's the poor who suffer most. That's why it's such nonsense for the wealthy Greens to shut down, to seek to shut down Dutch farms, for example. It's no wonder To some extent, you can understand, you can't justify, but you can understand some of the riots. Yes, and of course, a lot of the riots are criminal, and of course, there are ideological motivations and many other things as well. But uh, I think this song by The Clash kind of summed things up. White riot, well, this isn't, I I don't think this is a white riot. I think this largely uh, tends to be people from Middle Eastern uh, uh, and Arab and African origin. But, in white riots as well, the urban poor, doesn't matter, your colour. It's funny, that song by The Clash, the, the words, I want a riot, a riot of my own, black people got a lot of problems, but they don't mind throwing a brick. And he's saying that white people go to school when they teach you how to be thick. And everyone's doing it. Nobody wants to go to jail. All the power is in the hands of people rich enough to buy it while we walk the street to chicken to even try it. Now, I wouldn't advocate riot, but I certainly advocate justice. Economic and food justice. And the way that our elites are going at the moment with their policies supposedly to combat climate change, um, supposedly to deal, they say, with racial injustice, supposedly to help bring justice through war supposedly to deal with misinformation as we'll see i I, I despair to be honest there's what's going on in france maybe a symbol of what's coming to the rest of us okay uh this past week we've seen the fourth of july so to all our american friends brothers and sisters listeners this is for you course is Bruce Springsteen now (laughs) I'm sorry but sometimes your country seems to be going crazy Uh, Reuters published a piece on June um, saying that we need to get rid of fireworks uh, celebrating the 4th of July why well fireworks in Philadelphia and Boston in 1777 they've always been part of the celebration why do we need to get rid of them now go on take a guess take a guess Well, scares wildlife. Uh, That basically doesn't seem to bother them that 130,000 birds are killed every year in the US by wind turbines. No, but fireworks scare wildlife. Health concerns. And of course, contributing to climate change. Salt Lake City is putting on a drone light show instead of fireworks. Minneapolis is doing a laser light show and so on. Yeah, do you know, I mean, people will say things like, this is the new Puritan. I don't think the Puritans would have banned fireworks. Uh, This is just authoritarianism. Let's consider some political things. Let's come to Australia. And in Australia, uh, we've got something called the misinformation bill. Now, you need to be aware of this because it's it is really quite extraordinary. It basically, it, it lets government outlets and state-sponsored outlets be free of this, but social media outlets and others, including, for example, and this podcast would come under that, can be censored if they produce material that's harmful. Now, the definition of harmful, what does that mean? We've got a similar thing in Ireland. There's a new bill in Ireland, a hate crimes bill, which is about to become an act. In which it will become a crime to say anything, in person or online, which anybody from a protected category, race, gender, religion, sexuality, finds hateful or offensive. Now, they don't mean that. Offense is in the eye of the beholder. I would find many things. Supposing I said that some comedians are offensive to Christianity. I find it offensive. They're not going to listen to me. That's not what they mean. There's no definition of what hate is. This just allows the authorities to impose their own views. And this new law, it is so extraordinary. It won't just prosecute people who go online and say stupid things on Twitter. Um, But the Irish police will soon have the right to search your laptop or phone for anything that may be deemed offensive or hateful. That includes books you've downloaded on your Kindle. Well, in my study of Nazism, for example, I've read Mein Kampf. Does that mean? What, What about the Bible? What about the Quran? There are people who would look at these things and describe them as offensive or hateful. It's crazy. What what if you object to the killing of babies in the womb and you say that? That could be deemed to be hateful. It's unbelievably authoritarian. Okay, another piece of news. Um, Let's see if you can work it out from this. That's XDC is making plans for Nigel. Um, <laughs> Nigel Farage. Now, whatever you think of him, he's certainly been a significant politician. And I'm here. Here, I'm not talking about whether you agree or disagree with him, right? But Farage, it was quite funny. On June the twenty seventh, at the Television and Radio Industries Club Awards, which are voted for by the public, he won the award for. Uh, being the best broadcaster. <laughs> and I think they were furious at that. But that's what the public voted for uh, because of his GB news show. But then uh, it just seemed extraordinary. Ash said, now we have to be careful with this because there could be reasons for it. But this is what he says. And so far, I've not seen any evidence otherwise that his bank wanted to get rid of him, and that no other bank would take him on board. Now, not having a bank in today's world... You know, when we went to get a mobile phone here in Australia, we were told we couldn't get one without a bank account. Not having a bank in today's world makes you a non-person. And Farage believes, and I suspect he's probably right, that it's because of his political views that they are shutting him down. In uh, the film Dr. Zhivago... uh, Someone is put into a Pasternak's character, Lara, sent to a gulag to punish him. Farage and his family are, in effect, being depersoned. Now, it's not the only one. There have been others, members of UKIP, uh, the Reclaim Party, other political commentators, have, have been shut out. Now, you see this in the case of the Reverend Richard Fothergill who is an Anglican minister who raised concerns over Yorkshire Building Society's promotion of transgenderism. He's had an account for 17 years and he wrote to them and he said they shouldn't be promoting a transgender ideology. And four days later, he received a letter stating his account would be closed. Um, Fotheringale said this, they are a financial house, they are not there to do social engineering. I think they should concentrate their efforts on managing money instead of promoting LGBT ideology. Um, A spokesman said, and they lied, we never close savings accounts based on different opinions regarding beliefs or feedback provided by our customers. Yeah, right. They just did. Their Christian Charity Core Issues Trust received a payout from Barclays because their bank account had been closed. What if someone decides to close my bank accounts? What if I'm not allowed to fundraise? We need to be really aware of this creeping authoritarianism from our cultural elites, our corporate elites. Speaking of which, uh, environment and science, let's just do one item on that. Uh, There's a politician here in Australia, Monique Ryan, who's an MP from Victoria. She's campaigned strongly for climate change, you know, wants us all to cut down on our flights and have electric cars, and you know the you know the usual drill. Um, and in a week where it's been reported that the world's had its hottest overall temperature for one day since record began, uh, hottest as in average over the whole world, I guess people think that there's a case for it. But again, it's the hypocrisy that gets me. Ms. Ryan has made 27 business class flights flying from Melbourne to Canberra. A perfectly drivable trip. 27 business class flights, which she's charged to the taxpayer. Now, business class flights apparently are eight times more expensive in terms of carbon um, emissions than normal flights. Why didn't she just go normal? I can't remember. It was eight times. Someone said it was three times than flying in economy class. Whatever it is, it's several times. It's three times, actually. I've just looked it up. And then um, we've had the 75th anniversary of the National Health Service. Now, there was a service of thanksgiving given in Westminster Abbey. And here is the Dean, very Reverend Dr. David Hoyle, part of his very short sermon, but we won't play it all.
1: The NHS is not important just because it stands the test of time. It matters because it says something about who we want to be. This is more than history today. This is more than ambition. Today is all about our hope, about our belief. Writing about 1948, Peter Hennessy explains The NHS is the moment we turn the idea of kindness into buildings and jobs. He says, the NHS was and remains one of the finest institutions built by anybody, anywhere. He calls it Building Jerusalem because that is what it was. It's the conviction that you can begin what the Bible promises You can see a new heaven and a new earth.
0: Now I find this extraordinary because what is our hope and belief in a whole sermon in a Christian church meant to be a Christian service, not one mention of Christ, no mention of God? Our hope and our belief is apparently in the NHS. We are building the new Jerusalem through the NHS. And it's been noted that no other country does this. We seem to have the NHS as a replacement religion. I'm saying we, people in the UK. And here's the other thing. You know, if I was conducting a service like that, I'd also want to issue a challenge. There are things the NHS does that is wrong. For example, the mass slaughter of unborn children. It's wrong. And there are other many other things as well but to set it up as some kind of idol, that this a service that was in effect a service of worship for the NHS. Now, having said that, there there are some extraordinary things done in the NHS, of course. And here's uh, my friend, Dr. John Ellis, who appeared in a video that was made about, entitled A Nursing Success Story. And as always, links to these videos and articles and so on are on the website www.theweafley.com. But Here's Dr. John Ellis. The surgeon, considered in the classical sense, is not the most important part of this entire journey. Not at all. Um, The surgeon, in a sense, is freed up to do a good job to the degree that stress is taken off and that the the actual moment is highly concentrated. And for that to happen, you have to have a nursing team who can almost read minds. And I would contend in Dundee, they do read minds, which is very very frightening for me. I repeatedly say, and I say it because it's true, that the entire story here in Dundee is really a nursing success story. No, I love this. Uh, John has, Dr. John Ellis, has uh, pioneered a magnificent system whereby the number of cataract surgeries that are able, able to be done in uh, Nine Wales, Dundee, has multiplied. And so many, many people are receiving back their sight, which I just think is absolutely wonderful. But I love his, his wee take there, doing more without sacrificing quality. Um, And, you know, the surgeon I in the NHS have often seen people have said, you know, that there is a very much a class structure and surgeons are weighed up the top. They're like they're like God. Well, I love the fact that John Ellis, who's a fantastic surgeon, is giving the credit to his nurses. It's a nursing success story. I think there's a great model of that in, in so many ways for the church as well. Okay, uh, let's come to the walk world. This, <laughs> this wins my prize for this week. Just listen to this.
2: So you've come to my house to complain about my baby wearing pink.
3: Well, I was just asking, really, why you keep putting her in pink and not other colours?
1: Well, traditionally, girls often wear pink.
3: Well, I think you'll find that was back in the day. I don't think it's today. I think you can wear any colour you want now. She
1: has other, like, clothes as well, but her favourite colour is pink.
3: Well, I've only ever seen her in pink, and I think that's... Not allowing her to have freedom of what, what gender do you mean she wants to be. She, freedom. <laughs> well, she should be like,
1: she's a baby. She's
3: not a baby.
1: She's a baby. She's two.
3: She looks a lot older than that to me. But anyway.
1: Well, hold a minute.
4: Th- What's any of your concern?
3: Well, it's my concern because I believe that the world has got better since we've got all this fluidity with genders. and okay. all the Different types of genders now. Okay. And I think by dressing someone in pink... If, if she doesn't want to be a girl when she's older, she wants to be a tra- or transgender or whatever, then she'll have been dressed in pink and you would have confused her. So I think it's nicer to dress people in all different colours. I mean, she'd look in yellow, wouldn't she? Let's well, be honest.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, she's wearing yellow now. Hey, baby.
3: Oh, yeah, I hadn't seen she was, sorry. But she's got pink trousers on with rainbows on. Now, I do like the rainbow. I definitely like the rainbows on her trousers. Now, that's good. Okay. But,
1: okay. No. Okay. Firstly, yeah, you're wearing pink glasses,
3: okay? I think you'll find these are mauve. Are you colourblind or something? These are mauve. These are- God, God, please come back and help us.
0: Well, our American brother commenting on that, God, please come back and help us. That was a woman from a nursery who came to lecture a man on how his two-year-old dresses. Indeed, God help us. Uh, the Bank of England, well, you know, that you'd think they'd be concerned about inflation and so on. You know, what they're really concerned about is they want to have phrases like birthing parent to mean mother and they have said that any sex can become pregnant. It's a lie. It's a nonsense. No, any sex cannot become pregnant. Wow. Um, You know, the Bank of England used to be called the old lady of Threadneedle Street in London where it was based. Maybe they need to change that to the old person. Alright, here's the quote. still in the world, we're still in the army. Colonel Dr. Kelvin Wright was one of the heroes of the Afghan conflict. Uh, has many, many stories to tell about that, but he's been forced to leave the army. Why? Now at 54 years old, he's, he is also a surgeon. There's a kind of health theme, isn't there? Um, he shared a Facebook post which said, uh, quoted women's rights campaigner Helen Joyce, which said if women cannot stand in a public place and say men cannot be women, then we do not have women's rights at all. And trans activists piled in and the Ministry of Defence basically made his life miserable and he has now uh, been forced to retire. Wow. All right, let's come on to sport. Yeah, any excuse to play the (laughs) test match cricket theme? We are back to cricket and we are at the ashes and when this goes out we'll be into day two of the third test and I'll be staying up as much as I can in the night to to watch it. Um, But this happened in the second test. It's another short ball.
1: Oh now this is going to be interesting. Johnny Bairstow's walked out of his crease here. This could well be out. I don't think there was a call of over. Johnny Bairstow's ducked and then walked out of his crease. Alex Carey's just throwing the ball at the stumps and hit them. This is going to be interesting.
0: Okay, the decision for the screen. Now... For those who don't know cricket, and you should, it's the most wonderful game, just brilliant. And by the way, these Ashes tests have been brilliant. And by the way, in that test, what people should be talking about is Ben Stokes' incredible 155 run, which, which I thought innings, which I thought uh, he could even have taken England to just an incredible victory. But instead, they're talking about. Uh, the stumping of Johnny Bearstow and they're all going about how unfair it is. And Rishi Sunak's got involved and Anti-Albanese's got involved. Um, and I think what got me about this almost more than anything is the sheer hypocrisy of Bairstow. Uh, here he is when he's a wicketkeeper himself. Uh, this is the guy who got out and because he wandered out his crease and he got stumped when the ball was still live. And by the way, Piers Morgan and others are just raging about this. But this is when bearstow did the same thing. This is what he said.
1: Uh, it was just one of those. Um, I think that obviously I saw him lift his foot and I took the bails. It's, it's my timing. And luckily uh, it was one of those that kind of went for us there.
0: We can see it now. I mean, you see keepers do this quite a lot. Just hold the ball over the stumps like that. But I've, uh, I've not seen it um, executed
1: quite like that before. Uh, well, I first saw Matt Pryor do it down against South Africa down at Lords, and um, I guess it's it's just something that, as I say, it's, it's look of the draw. It's something that um, you can't really practice, and <laughs> it's one of those that goes your way. So yeah, delighted to um, delighted to have got that one. All keepers do it. Batsmen probably don't like it, do they? I don't know. It's it's uh, it's just one of those those things. It's um, within the rules of the game, and and that's how it is. It's, it's happened at the highest level, and I'm sure it's happened at the lowest as well.
0: Yeah, hypocrisy, isn't it? Oh, the funniest bit about this, and you have to laugh at this: Um, the MCC, which is the cricket club at Lords, and uh, meant to be the home of the sport, and it's meant to be, you know, like mega posh, and they've suspended three members. This was their press release. <laughs> I, 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 you know this. I've, I've tried to see if this is for real, but it does appear for real. The MCC confirmed it has suspended three me- members identified from earlier today. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Bartholomew Frinton Smythe, Humphrey Wigbert Porter, and Quinton Breckenridge will not be permitted back to Lords while the investigation is conducted. Oh my goodness, they sound so much like green eco-warriors or transgender activists. (laughs) Brilliant! Bartholomew Frinton Smythe and Humphrey Wigbert Porter basically are being investigated for abusive behaviour. All right, uh just a couple more things before we go. Music, I've been looking at secular songs that mention the Bible. Here's Dave Alwyn, Highway 61 Revisited.
2: God said to Abraham, kill me a son. And Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. God said, no. Abe said, what? God said, you can do what you want, Abe, but next time you see me coming, you better run. Abe said, Where you want this killing done? And God said, out on highway. Sixty-one.
0: Well, what part of the Bible does that mention? Uh, Well, of course, Abraham sacrifices his son, Genesis twenty-two. But which, by the way. It's often used as a, an attack on Christianity, an attack on belief in the Bible. I actually think it's a wonderful illustration, an example of how God provides a sacrifice uh, and the sacrifice of his son to forgive us. And then we've also been looking at the top 20 children's books, and this is number eight. You'll soon work out what this is.
5: Deep in the heart. Christopher's childhood days. A donkey named your is his friend, and Kanga, and Little Roo. There's Rabbit, and Piglet, and there's towel but most of all, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the
0: that's Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore, Owl, Rabbit, Kanga, and Roo. Uh, just, I don't even know how to describe how much I love Winnie the Pooh. I think it'd be a long, long time. It's it's humor, it's characterization. You know, I think all these books, you better keep hold of them because they're going to rewrite them so they include all the current obsessions about transgenderism and so on. So what's the answer to all this? You'd think the church would be. But there's something happened here in Australia that I do want to mention. The Canberran government, the state of Canberra, has taken over a Catholic hospital because they, for ideological reasons, because they do not like the fact that the hospital won't provide euthanasia. And Canberran government, by the way, has just voted to allow euthanasia for 14-year-olds. And, uh, of course, about abortion. And there's an incredible picture, a very symbolic picture, of government cranes taking down the cross from the hospital. Wow. That could be in China, but this is in a Western democracy. So much more that we could say on that. That is so Soviet. It's just unbelievable. And then... How about this from the church? We had a, quite a few American things, but this, well, last week we, uh, I mentioned about churches going all woke. This is the ultimate.
1: I believe in the non-binary God, whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads, and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit, who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints, as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the eighth quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us That love is love is love. So beloved, let us love.
0: It's incredible that, isn't it? I mean, I don't even need to make a comment on it. But when I said it was the ultimate, I'm I'm sure some of you will send me in something that's even worse. But there are Christians who are making a difference. And this one is a woman I absolutely love. Uh, Miriam Cates. Uh, This is just part of uh, an incredible speech that she made.
4: How have we gone so wrong? We seem to have abandoned childhood, just as in the COVID pandemic, where we sacrificed young for old. So in our approach to sex education, we're sacrificing the welfare and innocence of children in the interests of adult sexual liberation. In 2022, our children are physically overprotected. They have too little opportunity to play unsupervised, to take responsibility, to mature and grow wise. Yet at the same time, they are being exposed to adult ideologies, being used as pawns in adults' political agendas, and at risk of permanent harm. What kind of society have we created where teachers need to undertake a risk assessment to take pupils to a local park, but where a drag queen wearing a dildo is invited into a library to teach preschool children? Parents don't know where to turn.
0: How have we gone so wrong? What a great question. What are we doing to our children? What a, what a great, I think, prophetic speech. So I'm going to love you and leave you. Uh, I'm going to leave you with the Gettys. They were here in Sydney. I had the privilege of speaking at the SING conference with them, City Light, the wonderful Colin Buchanan. Um, and they sang this song after I spoke. Psalm 130, Lord from the depths. Um, yeah, we cry out. I mean, this is crazy. There are riots. There are... Governments taking down crosses and taking over Christian hospitals. There are powerful groups instigating teachings which are abusive and will lead to abuse of our children. It's so depressing. There are churches which will worship the NHS or worship woke ideology rather than worship Jesus Christ. Can we get any lower? Yes. But even if we go lower, we can cry out to the Lord from the depths and he hears us. And that's what I rejoice in. I hope that you can rejoice in that as well. So thanks to Peter for producing this. If you want to support us, do so on Podbean. Please review us on iTunes or whatever your, your Podbean pod provider is. Rather, you're welcome to support, as I said, on the Podbean fundraiser. You've got any questions or comments, please feel free to write them in. And God bless you. and Hopefully see you next week I, I, I've got a special planned And I'll see if I can manage to, to get it done So Just remember We can call out to the Lord From the depths or from the heights He always hears us
2: from